Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. Today, more than ever, people are dealing with a dual affliction of being high-minded and heavy-hearted. We're going to look at a few statistics about the world we live in today to help back this idea up. Because I wouldn't just say that people today are living high-minded and heavy-hearted as an opinion. I want to give facts to back it up from the very world we live in. So let's start with being high-minded. NASA, their Orion Deep Space spacecraft, runs on a computer slower than your smartphone. Curiosity, the rover uh, for Mars, runs on a computer no more powerful than your smartphone, and that's according to Computer World. In other words, we have incredibly powerful devices at our fingertips. What you have in your hand with a cell phone or in your pocket, that that thing more than likely is powerful enough to power a space shuttle. (laughs) Literally, you've got rocket science-grade technology on you. But not just the technology that we can get information from, but education. For the first time, the percentage of the American population aged 25 and older that completed high school or higher levels of education reached 90% in 2017. So 90% of Americans 25 or older have a high school degree. I mean, that's compared to only 24% uh, many years ago in 1940. Oh, we've flipped the tables. We've gone from one quarter to three quarters. Uh, High school educated, of course, many are going to college. That's, of course, uh, uh, from census.gov. But with all this information at our fingertips, with all this education, are we happier? Are we wiser? Is the country more peaceful? Of course not. You know, even with these supercomputers in our pockets and world-class education between our ears, we are suffering like never before. And that brings in the heavy-hearted of this message. You know, when I think of heavy-hearted, I think of depression and anxiety. Uh, According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults in the United States age 18 or older. That's um, almost 20% of the population. That's 18.1% of the population. Goodness, that's uh, if you have a room of 100 people, that's nearly 20 people that will suffer from diagnosed depression and anxiety. That's a lot of people. And then add in stress. Nearly 8 in 10 uh, Americans say that the coronavirus pandemic is a significant source of stress in their life. Nearly one in five adults say their mental health is worse than it was this time last year. That's according to the American Psychological Association. Could you agree? Is COVID stressful for you? Are you the 20% that uh, is mentally worse off now than a year ago? Stress is seriously messing with people. And, you know, I, I don't have all the time here today to go into it. But if you see where I'm headed with this uh, narrative, we have education, we have uh 
stress and anxiety and depression. And that leads to something called psychosomatic disorders. That's a $5 word, psychosomatic disorders. And psychosomatic comes from the word psyche, which uh, means mind, and soma, which means body. And that gives this idea that the mind is then hindering the body or affecting the body, which can lead to higher states of blood pressure or uh, eczema, you know, a worse eczema, psoriasis, uh, ulcers, um, heart disease. So literally, these psychosomatic disorders come about from this stress and this pressure and all of these things happening. Our minds are literally making us sick. And you say, Brother Clark, well, what does that have to do with society today in terms of living for the Lord? Oh, I'm getting there. And one part is some people are deciding to check out suicide rates. You know, 30% is the increase of the rate of death by suicide in the United States from 2000 to 2016, according to the National Center for Health Statistics. Oh, my goodness. There's a 50% increase in suicides among girls and women between 2000 and 2016. Uh, there's more statistics I could give from the American Psychological Association on this, but take my word for it. You can look it up yourself. Suicide is on the increase. So we have all of this happening. And then at the same time, I'm going to give you one more statistic, and then we'll dive into some Bible here. At the same time this is happening, we're less Christian. You know, the Pew Research Center, and it, you, you, when you hear about Christian studies, oftentimes it's done by the Pew Research Center. They, they do a, a good job, and they measure sentiment. They measure a lot of things happening in the culture today. And according to a 2019 Pew Research study, there's a decline of Christianity that's continuing at a rapid pace with 12% less believers in just the past 10 years. So from uh, 2009 to, to, 2000, or to 2019, you saw a 12% uh, reduction in people that are calling themselves Christian, and nearly that entire group, that entire 12%, where did they go? Into a category called nuns, religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, those that don't believe in anything, those that uh, don't that, that have turned from God, or if they ever believed in God, they don't now, okay? So what I'm getting at as a country, we have more powerful information gathering tools than ever before. We're more educated than ever before, and at the same time, we're more depressed, anxious, and committing suicide than ever before. And yet, shouldn't we be happier with all this information? I mean, think about that. Isn't that what society tells us, that we just need information? Oh, well, shouldn't we be happier now that we have more time? Society tells us we need more time, and now people aren't going to church as much. They have more time. But it's just the opposite. We're seeing a high mind and a heavy heart. In short, we are high-minded and heavy-hearted like no other time in history. And can I just ask this question now, if you would just allow me to ask this question, why do people not turn to God in such times like these? Why not? That, I believe, is answered by the, the idea of spiritual warfare, about the scripture saying we don't deal with people, but with principalities, of uh, rulers of wickedness in high places. So what I want to do today is spend a few minutes looking at what God's Word has to say about this condition of being high-minded and heavy-hearted and what God shows us to do to fix it. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6 is my text verse today. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. See how God's way is so different? Long life, peace, mercy, goodness, joy, godly guidance and provision. Is this not worth changing our lives for? Is this not worth leaving the broken world for? Is this not worth telling others the gospel for? You know, recently I had testified at our church about God's sweet mercy in my life as a young man. I look at how sweet and kind uh, he is to me now, and I regret not turning to him sooner, not running to him. Amen. There are people out there that need the Lord today. There are people out there that need this wisdom today. I would say everyone needs it, but some may need it even worse than others. You know, Jesus uh, says he didn't come to heal the healthy. He came to heal the sick. Amen. The words of the Lord are help us. They will help prosper us in very deep and spiritual ways, not prospering as in you've got a Lamborghini in your driveway, but prospering as in you've got peace in your heart. Amen. And you know what? I'll take peace over the Lamborghini because that peace will last forever. That peace doesn't need repair. That peace doesn't need uh, uh, protection. That peace won't uh, rust and decay and so on and so forth. Psalms 1-3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. This is our God. This is what he can do for us that no man can do. He is worthy of all praise. You know, I want you to listen today. God can change you, and he can make you into his glorious image. So let's just look at these uh very powerful verses in scripture in twos. And the first two we'll start with is my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Well, number one, let your heart keep his commandments. What does it mean to keep something? Okay, that means to hold on to it. So first you have to know it, you have to receive it, right? And then you got to keep it. You got to hold on to it. You got to guard it, right? We need to guard these commandments. We need to guard the importance of them. We need to protect them. We need to be politically active when people are trying to ruin them or remove them. Uh, we have to keep our heart uh, with the commandments so close. And the ver- and verse two, the fruit of keeping God's commandments, living them, is long life with peace. You know, people say. Oh, well, where does God promise long life? He promises it throughout the Bible, amen, that, that number one, our lives will be cut short uh, if we're not bearing fruit, uh, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Our candlestick can be uh, blown out and removed. Um, and uh, at the same time, we're promised long life and peace if we follow the Lord. You know, the Lord says in his scriptures, he, he has an expected end for us, amen. He has a way for us to live, and he wants to give us that peace. That peace surpasses all understanding. And it starts with the idea that you're not your own, that you're not your own guide or master or king, and that God is. And so in order to have God's commandments and keep them and, and, and live for the Lord, we must fear God. And that's where most people go wrong. They don't fear God. If they feared God, if they truly feared God, they'd reverence him. They'd respect him. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, of all knowledge. And yet people don't fear God. And if they did, again, they'd be running for the Bible instead of throwing it in the back of their car or on a bookshelf or not even having one. And let's look at the next two verses here. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. 
The remedy is God's mercy and truth. What does this mean? Mercy, it's who God is. God is mercy. What he did for us, how we are to live. God's mercy, it's grace for sinners. You know, God's mercy put Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, on the cross to die for our sins. And when he was resurrected from the grave and we accept that salvation gift, that propitiation, that replacement, uh, that he died for us because we couldn't pay the sin debt. When we accept that blood atonement for sins that Jesus Christ did, when we make him our Savior and Lord, then we're saved. We're spared the the judgment. We're spared the wrath of God. Amen. We are uh, not uh, under condemnation. Uh, He's not appointed us to wrath. There's a lot of Bible on this. His mercy is real. And when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can firsthand experience his mercy. That's his grace for sinners. Uh, And then truth. God's word is truth. Not the perversion in the world, like headline news, you know, modern headline news. It's God's word that's the truth. And what are we supposed to do with God's word? The truth. And think about this. It's true as in it's accurate. It's true as in it's the way we should live our life. It's true as in we can teach it to others. It's true as in it never changes. Oh, there's a lot of messages on truth here today. But the main thing I want you to remember is we must bind it around our neck. We must keep it to our heart. We must have it so close. What does it mean to do? You know, if you wear a necklace, it's very close to you, right? Or maybe you wear a lanyard to work, or I've got a uh, face mask I have to wear for COVID. I, I keep a little lanyard on that that I have right around my neck. It's very close to me. And we must keep God's truth and his mercy close to us at all times. We must not forget what he did for us on the cross. Amen. If you are living in sin, if you are living, not fearing God, if you are reprobate, if you are backslid, if you are unsaved, you are living in the world, your destiny will be like the world. And that is death. So we must repent to find favor and understanding with God. We must repent if we're saved and get right with God. And if we're not saved, we must get saved. Amen. And change our ways. And then we look at, uh, being favorable in the world. So interesting here in this verse, okay? It almost trips me up a little bit. Uh, In this verse, uh, and we're in Proverbs 3, verse 4, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. And guess what? In the sight of man. Isn't that so funny and ironic and interesting that when we live for God and we keep his commandments so close to our heart that we're living those commandments, we're loving the Lord, we're loving our neighbors, we're forgiving others, we're turning the other cheek, we're showing charitable kindness and giving, all of a sudden, not only is God favor, you know, giving us favor and we are have peace with him, but also... The world, the world is looking at us and saying, that's a respectable person. That's an honorable person. You know, they may not understand all the ways of God, but they understand charity. They understand love. They understand patience. They understand uh, kindness. They understand forgiveness, right? And so what we're doing is by living for the Lord, we are also finding favor in man, which is what everybody wants to do in the world is find favor with man and 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 all this, these things. And God's saying, just flip it on its head. You know, you don't think you'd find favor in man living for me, and you're going to deal with persecution and all these things, but then you end up finding favor with men. There's other scripture that says uh, even your enemies will respect you when you live for God. And that is the truth, amen, here today. That is the truth. When we live for the Lord, we find favor with God. Now, we don't earn God's favor. We're not saved by our works. Uh, but truly, look at who had a heart uh, that that God loved and who who was a f- uh, favor favored by God 
Uh, was it people that were living wickedly? No. You know, look at Job or look at David, look at Solomon, uh, look at the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Uh, it's people that took a stance for God. It's people that tried to live by the commandments. And above all else, like Abraham, it's people that had faith in God. And through the Bible, these characters are not perfect, just like we're not perfect. But they had faith. They truly believed. Abraham was justified how? By faith. And when we have faith, we find favor with God only by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, never saying that our righteousness is worth anything. The Bible says our righteousness, they're like dirty rags, right? But we find favor with the Lord by living for him through the working of the Holy Spirit, by submitting ourselves to him, by being obedient to him, and that all starts with faith. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. All right, now, wherefore, follow God for your mind and your heart's sake. This is uh, my life verse, actually, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So what we have here is we need to abandon our own knowledge about how we should live. I mean, think about where does that knowledge come from anyways? You know, where where do we get off to say we, we need to live like this? We need to work 800 hours a week or whatever it is. And we need to have four houses and 16 cars and uh, three boats and ATV. What does that even mean? Where did we get that from? We didn't get it from God. Amen. Look at, again, uh, th- those saints of God, many of them were just ordinary people. Look at the disciples. Look at those that followed the Lord. They were just blue collar folks, hardworking folks uh, that didn't have too much. Look at Jesus Christ himself. He didn't have any uh, worldly renown when he was here. And, and now compare your life. What are you searching for? What are you trying to do? Are you abandoning your knowledge and saying, you know what, I'm going to get my ideas out of the way, however good they may seem to me, and I'm going to get in the word. And I'm just going to let the word speak to me. And I'm going to pray to God. And I'm going to seek his face. And I'm going to study the Bible. And I'm going to serve him. And when you start getting into that mode of obedience, God will apply his ways to you. And you will start being a mirror of Christ in a way that you didn't think you could ever be. And you'll change a lot. I know that since I've been uh, following the Lord, I've changed tremendously. Um, I used to not be good with money, for example. I would uh, not be good with saving money. And now I'm a saver. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I'm a saver now. Um, I used to be a little bit more of a social person, always wanting to go out and about and talk to people. And now, to be honest with you, I'm kind of just uh, here at home a lot, and I'm very content with that. And I, I really do enjoy talking to people, but uh, the Lord's given me peace if it's just uh, him him and I there together um, and, and nobody else. Uh, before I was saved, I would uh, have a, uh, a way about me that was just much more angry and frustrated and thinking I was owed something or deserved something. And then I got into God's word and I had to repent and I had to call out to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. Is that where your heart's at today? I I compel you uh, that it should be. Amen. We need to get our hearts right with God. We need to abandon 
abandon our own knowledge about how we should live. We need to abandon our own plans. Think about what are expectations. You know, you think maybe you're disappointed here today. Well, what are expectations? They're simply something that you've created that you think you need to meet, right? Well, let's put godly expectations in our life. Let's pray to God for our expectations. And now as we put in God's word into our lives, into our plans, into who we are, Oh, how God will respond. Amen. He's not going to say, okay, let's see. You're obedient to me and you're praying and you're staying in my word and you're, 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 you're loving me and you have love in your heart. Well, I just not, I can't do anything with you, right? He is going to draw closer to you. In the Bible scripture there, draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And in all our ways, we must acknowledge him. Well, what does it mean to acknowledge him? That means I believe, number one, to fear him to know who he is, to understand his power, to understand that he provides every breath that you take, that he is the source of all good things, that without him we can do nothing, and we need to acknowledge him, and we need to understand who he is. People treat God like he will not in, in, uh, will not punish them, will not righteously judge them, uh, will not uh, cast them into hell. They, they treat God Uh, like, well, if he hasn't done anything yet, then I'm just going to act like I want. But that is an awful, awful way to live. Because as I understand God's word, every moment is recorded in the books of history. And every moment, especially for the unbeliever, will be judged. Every word uttered, every thing done. And you, you say, well, how's that possible? Only God knows, but his ways are higher than our ways. Amen. And so, We need to start acknowledging him. And for the believer, we need to really make sure that we are living for him. Because for the believer, we're, again, not coming into condemnation. We're saved. Uh, We're pleading the blood of Jesus Christ uh, at the judgment at the Bema seat. But what we are doing is working for a reward. Amen. I uh, I believe there's scripture on this that talks about uh, we must believe God is who he says he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Amen. A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So to acknowledge him is to understand who he is, what what his plan for us is, and that we need to be about our father's business. And the result is when we acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. I mean, think about this. Think about, have you ever been to a corn maze? I'd never been to a corn maze until I moved to North Carolina. And now I've been to several corn mazes. And uh, as someone that suffers from allergies, I don't know if I love the corn maze or not, but uh, I certainly love the, the food and uh, you know games and stuff that accompany that, especially for the kids, seeing the kids have fun and, and the animals and stuff. But if you go into a corn maze and you're walking through there, there might be three or four different turns that you can take, right? Now, people often picture God just kind of like holding their hand and walking them down the proper path. But I think a more realistic way to look at this is coming to a section where there's several turns that you can make and you don't know the one that's going to get you to where you want to go. And God starts convicting you on the ones you should not go down, right? And living for God, the result of him directing our paths, sometimes is, is just that, that, that shepherd's touch, that shepherd's rod there that's kind of keeping us in line of where we shouldn't go. And I believe that's something, again, I can testify to in my years serving the Lord. I feel much more guided on on where I should not go, where things I shouldn't get involved in. And when you pray about everything, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Uh, We must then see where the Lord leads us. And a lot of times, again, it's that really direct 
No, don't go there, right? And it can it's not audible speaking, but it's just that Holy Spirit conviction that shows you which path to take, amen? And yes, there are times that there's a yes, go there, right? But uh, the idea is, you know, I'm your preacher's not just talking to God every night on the phone. I wish I was, amen? I, I'd have questions like you, but the idea is that when we live for him, we acknowledge him, we abandon our own knowledge, and we embrace his knowledge, we trust him, we have faith in him, He'll direct our paths. And I, and I, again, I'm trying to give a practical example of that. People may read this scripture and say, oh, that's great. God will direct my path and I'm going to go do my own thing. No, really. Get in, the, get in the word, pray, seek his face, repent, make sure you're close to him in all ways. And he really will direct your paths and it'll really surprise you uh, because, you know, we are here to give glory to God, right? We're here for his glory. Well, how does he get glory? A lot of times it's when things happen that no other way can be described, amen? And you just say, well, I've got to give God the glory, amen? I believe that's why the Lord called me to the ministry, because no one would believe that I'd be in the ministry otherwise. But he called me into the ministry, and I love the ministry, and I'm thankful that he counted me worthy, amen? And I'm just a servant to the Lord here today. I don't have uh, uh, much to brag about, that's for sure. But what I can say, what I can brag about is Jesus Christ is my Savior. He will direct my path. Now, let me tie all this up. Okay, I started the message by talking about being heavy hearted and high minded. And I said, I'm going to give you God's scripture on how to resolve it. And that scripture, Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, tells us, keep his commandments. We'll have peace and long life. Let his mercy and truth not go away, but keep them so close to us. Mercy in our salvation through Christ alone, truth in his written word, and we'll find favor with God. We'll find good understanding as well in with God and in the sight of man. We'll, we will have what we were looking for, what, what kind of, again, the way that we're built. We are made to seek that higher power, but we're made to care about what others think. Again, it's not, I think people will blame themselves for that or something. And I know some people maybe have it more than others, but generally speaking, we all care, right? What other people think, amen? And we find favor in the sight of God and man. You know, the Bible says, humble, humble yourself uh, and, 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 and do things, seek the Lord in private, and he'll reward you in public. Amen. And so God will lift us up at, 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 in a due season, uh, but we are to trust him with all our heart, acknowledge him, and he'll direct our paths. And that that remedy right there is uh, what you need to follow if you want to get rid of being high-minded and heavy-hearted. You notice I started the message with a bunch of statistics, and I'm ending it with a bunch of scripture. Because the point is, the statistics, the way the world is today, it's a mess. And no matter how much education you have, no matter how much information you have, no matter how much time you have, you're dealing with problems that cannot be solved in the world because they're spiritual problems. And the only way that they can be solved is to deal with them in the spiritual realm. And that's why we must turn to the Lord now uh, while we can. You know, I've got a t-shirt somewhere that says um, from Isaiah, I believe it's uh, Isaiah 55, 6, if I'm not mistaken, that we need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Uh, call upon him while his name, uh, while, uh, while he is near. Uh, I butchered it a little bit, but you know what I mean? And what we need to do is seek God while he may be found. Because there's going to be a time, I was telling our church the other night, there's going to be a time when this will no longer apply, when the rapture will occur, when the church will be gone, uh, and then we will no longer be in the age of grace, and it'll be a seven-year tribulation period 
and, and then the battle of Armageddon and so on. And so what we need to do now is seek the Lord while he may be found. And I believe that God's grace, I know from scripture that where uh, sin abounds, grace abounds the more. And I know that God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is amazing. And I know that when we live for God, amen, when we live for him and when we seek him, no matter what our past is, no matter what is on that book of, of all the sinful things that we've done, he's more than willing to forgive us. And conversely, if we don't seek him, and if we go our own way, and if we say our good deeds are enough, and that we have a reward in heaven because we lived uh, good and in our own sight, then we are just like Cain with that false offering that will not be accepted by God, it'll be rejected by God. Uh, and we cannot do that. We can't rely on our works. We can't rely on our church membership. We can't rely on our wealth. We can't rely on our pedigree. We can't rely on our education. can't rely on anything other than what God tells us in his word. And he tells us so clearly here in, in Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, that we just have to live for him, that we have to understand who he is and keep his commandments and live for him. And when we do that, we won't have to lean on our own understanding, but we will be directed by him because we've acknowledged him and he will direct our paths and those paths even in the short term, they can be challenging, they can be rough and tumble, but in the long term, they will lead to a prosperous future for us. I believe that with all my heart. Again, I, I, I am very careful not to preach some kind of prosperity gospel. I know very well what it's like to be a Christian. Amen. You want to know what it's like to be a Christian? Read about Paul or read about Peter or read about any of these folks that were martyred for the Lord. Look, it's hard. But there's, there's a plan in place that we just need to follow. And in due time, we will be rewarded. And we need to not faint. We need to not kind of get on the sideline now. We need to stay in the fight. And we, the way that we're the most effective in that fight is to be in God's word and to be loving the Lord and to be in prayer and sweet fellowship with him. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's Word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness.